Hello and welcome to the 113th and first FIS Freight and Commodity Podcast this year on Wednesday 11th January. I'm Opani and I'm your host, here to bring you your guests who update you on the commodity complex. You can also stay up to date with our daily commentary and weekly analysis on everything going on by signing up for our app FIS Live. And you can also follow our Twitter page at Freight Investor or find us on LinkedIn. So for our first episode this year, we kick off, we kick off fast and strong with our CEO and founder, John B., here to talk to us about the FFA market in 2022 and looking forward to what's next. Welcome, John. Thank you. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, so we'll kick off uh, my first question for you. Uh, volatility has been the name of the game again uh, this year. So what's been your take on the roller coaster year last year? It's great. Name of the game sounds like an <laughs> ABBA revival song. I'm not very good at karaoke, but I did last year have my birthday and I did play Smoke on the Water on my air guitar, which went down uh, quite funny. But anyway, yeah, so name of the game, volatility. Yes, what a volatile year 22 was. So I've just got a few facts and figures of some of the main commodities we do here and I just wanted to kind of tell the audience a little bit about what's happened um, in the past sort of 12 months. So we have this what we call a volatility table and you know being a... A football fan, Arsenal's at the top. Now, today, uh, Capes at the top, the 180,000 time charter. So last year, the volatility of Cape was 130%. It went up to 38,000 and dropped down to 2,500. So that was quite a big swing. Panamaxes, which is the sort of 74,000, hit a high of $29,000 per day and then dropped down to sort of 9,600. And the Supermax uh, went from 33, less of a drop, 11,800. But some of the other commodities in 2022 also were really volatile. So, for example, coking coal went to $670 and dropped to 188. Uh, Fuel oil, which is obviously uh, a big part of uh, freight costs, uh, were as high as over $1,000 for 0.5 Singapore and went down to half that 500. And lastly, um, we've had um, iron ore, which is interesting because that's a real macro product for the global market, Was from went from $79 to $162. And obviously, everyone's talking about carbon, carbon. Uh, carbon EUA futures were $59 and went over to $100. So it's a big wake-up call, Um you know, for the market, and uh, it's obviously uh, really volatile. Uh, so what do you think on volumes and volatility this year? Wow. So 2023, it's year of the rabbit, and the water rabbit. Uh, it follows the water tiger. Um, it's interesting because we've got to kind of look at that market because that's obviously a big influence on the freight market. But if you look at cape sizes last year the average price of capes was sixteen thousand dollars which was nearly half compared to the year before but it was twice as volatile um obviously um this year um you know um we think you know if i look at the characteristics of a rabbit uh it's kind of calm gentle peaceful and friendly and i don't really see that in 2023 i see uh wild markets again i see volatile markets again um and obviously, um, I think volatility will continue. And as a result, you know, markets will need risk management and these sort of derivative tools to 
lock in and opportune trade these markets um so in terms of volumes you asked um obviously last year in the first half of last year we had a very strong you know commodity market we had congestion in china we had the ukraine war and obviously as markets went into the last half of the year everything kind of slowed down as demand eased uh, globally and um, we saw also in shipping a net increase of 26 million dead weight on ships 320 ships coming into the market so um, so what do we think um, volumes will probably be similar this year um, I also think that freight rates will probably be sort of similar to where we were last year an average of 16 and 22 on Panamaxes however uh, the big swing factor is China. You know, the macro factor is China. And if you look at the year of the rabbit, you know, 40-odd percent of the world's seaborne trade is basically China. So if that does change and there is a big influence of um, influx of capital projects in China, I think markets will really pick up, you know, on the back of that. And, uh, OK, congestion is got better in many parts of the world particularly uh, in Brazil and Australia um, but obviously uh, you know, the swing factor is, is, is China so um, yeah, the FFA market today is about 5.7 billion tonnes, it can't be ignored uh, it's growing um, and obviously more and more companies not just shipping companies but non-shipping companies are coming into the market to look at these volatile markets hmm. and I know you say China is the big swing factor. What if it doesn't happen the way we perceive or expect? Do you have any thoughts or views on that? Well, it's a good question. Uh, I think that if China um, doesn't do what it does, obviously we're going to see markets this year um, still relatively weakish. Um, but, you know, uh, we hope that in the next couple of years things will start to improve. Um and uh, you know we'll come out of this. I mean, obviously, this time last year we we're in lockdown, right? Mm. This ta- now we don't have a lockdown, so that's already positive. You only got one point four billion people in China, which are coming out of the mark, coming out after three years. So it's all, you know, quite positive. You know, uh, going forward. And the other thing is, you know, the world has changed a little bit. You know, I went to uh, Japan. I did two important trips last year. I went to Japan. I went to Ukraine. Um, and uh, I went to Japan and I, in October with my daughter and um, Zara. And I just said to the Japanese companies, and they're not very active in some of these markets, iron or steel, scrap, but they're kind of really asking questions about volatility. And I said, you know, what you do in Japan, you're very good at inventing things. For example, they invented the futures market. Um, they invented technical analysis in the 17th century on rice exchange and rice at futures. And I said that the traditional game is low volatility, you know, no you counterparties, long-term fixed price. Today, you're very good at inventing new games, you know, Mario, you know, computer games, and you've got to kind of play the new game. You've got to play these new games now. And obviously, it's high volatility, index pricing, different relationships, futures and options. And uh, a, a random question from me. Um, you, you mentioned it a few times. You've mentioned volatility. You mentioned volume. But your three Vs, uh, are we looking at anything different this year or will you continue that? No, I still, you know, I've preached that <laughs> for many years and it's worked in most of the commodities which we do at FIS. And uh, I think, yes, volume, volatility and value is, is the three things. So we will see increase in volume. We, people want it, i.e. the value, and obviously the volatility is here to stay. And obviously, if we can help customers, um, you know, manage that volatility. Another question: 
I understand you've been instrumental in uh, developing an FFA association. What's that all about? Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm currently chairman of the Freight Brokers Association, and obviously, I, as I've described, um, the dry FFA market has become really big, and it's uh, so the idea was um, to get. Um, the market together uh, on an informal basis to basically help and develop and discuss various things in the dry market. Every commodity has an association and uh, so we've created this uh, new business called the Independent FFA Association which will comprise of people who are in the dry FFA market and uh, it's independent so it's not an exchange, it's not the Baltic so the idea of this is to be a sort of constructive group to lobby you know various exchanges about new products and just give feedback and try and you know help the market grow from there um we're going to have our first meeting in february and we've got quite a lot of interest um there and uh i think it will provide members and people to sort of voice what they want to see from this market we've got to charge a very small admin fee because we've got to have marketing and admin costs of £100 per person. But we hope um, this will grow and um, we're encouraging people to join, uh, particularly users and and also our fellow FFA brokers as well, to kind of help develop. It's been a very successful market over the last 30 years. I think it will be even more with things like this. And uh, I know FIS has done a lot uh, for in terms of charity, uh, what else are you looking to do this year? Well, okay, we had our 20-year anniversary last year, and uh, I did a few road shows and tours around the world, and um, I just thanked everybody for their um, support. I mean, it's an amazing achievement, really, for a company like ours. You know, we're not huge, but we've been number one in dry boat market for 11 years, so we've been the... I would say not Man City, but not Burnley, uh, but we've been the top of the league, you know, but we don't show off about it because we are very down to earth and we do appreciate it. it's not us, it's the employees, it's it's the customers who are helping us. And obviously in that journey, you know, we've raised well over £2 million uh, for charities and uh, we try and pick charities where it's going directly to the end user or we know where it's going because it's not going into a big washing machine, we don't know where it goes. So... Obviously, uh, back in November, um, I went to Kiev, uh, Ukraine, uh, with my son, William. He was doing a project at uni on Ukraine, and we decided to go. But obviously, we went there because um, we did this charity day last year uh, to raise money, and we got a lot of support, and even the other brokers helped us by not coming to work. They now will probably expect us not to come in the office when they do a charity day, which is all right. Uh, so I went there, and I wasn't a military man. I've not been, you know, in the military, but I went to Irpin and Bucha, and I saw what happened after the massacres there when uh, Russia invaded. They call him Putler, you know, in Ukraine today. And uh, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to give that money to certain uh, charities directly from FIS and I'll tell you more about that and maybe we'll get more help but we're basically targeting humanitarian aid to Donbass. I've been in touch with battalion commanders in Bakhmut and uh, we're doing a lot of things uh, but I'll tell you more about that so I'm, I'm just trying to get the money we raised you know, we even bought an armoured ambulance to take the stuff uh, to Ukraine. So I'm hoping that it will make a little bit of difference. And talking about crystal balls, we just hope and pray that that conflict is ended, you know, for everyone, not just for the 
destruction of the country and the people, but just the whole world is kind of wanting this to stop. And hopefully Russia decides to pull back, you know, because he's now changing the narrative and he's trying to be, it's against the West, really, against versus Ukraine. And I just hope and pray that everything will be sorted out this year. Well, that's uh, commendable and looking forward to hearing more about that in the future. And final question from me, you call us Spartans here at FIS. Would you have any rally call for us as we start this year, not just to FIS staff, but uh, our customers? Uh, (laughs) Oh, uh, you put me on the spot there, Mo. Uh, So what's a rally call? Well, you know, we have a nickname in FIS as, you know, we're only a small battalion, you know, uh, FIS Spartan. So we have to fight, you know, for our business and our market share and uh, helping the customers. So what I would say to customers is, um, you know, it's going to be volatile year, fasten your seatbelts and good luck trading. And I hope everyone um, has a better year in 23 than 22. Thank you, John. So now we have Hal, our senior research analyst here, to talk to us about the Ferris Complex. Uh, We're approaching the Chinese New Year, and that period usually is seasonally quiet. Um, So welcome, Hal. And first question for you, if you were to review the Ferris Complex uh, market, any part of it in a few sentences, what would you say? Hello everyone, Happy New Year to you all. It's quite hard to uh, conclude in a few sentences to say how the Ferris market's uh, going to be like in 2023, but uh, we have an expectation that including iron ore, steel and coking coal and scrap and all the elements related to Ferris or in Ferris sectors have a smaller volatility compared to 2020, 2021, and 2022. Um, Because on a a macro side, um, the interest hike has a tiny marginal impact on the market, as well as many economists believe that we are on the sideline of uh, an overheat cycle to a stagflation cycle which normally saw a general decrease on commodity uh, trading volume or investments rather than having cash on hands. And moreover, we've seen less stories on various sectors, including China housing, although uh, China has many policies to encourage, but it doesn't equal to investors want to put more money or marginal investment in the housing sector anymore because the housing sector, they are just getting out of the troubles of default, but they are no longer the tier one asset. Uh, That's everyone is very clear on that. Well, for uh, steel, the thing uh, are similar because auto making recovery in Europe and US take obviously more than a quarter or two to see a catch up to 2020 or 2021 level. But it's not like people expected last year for the Q1, the automaking is going to pick up. Uh, It takes obviously more time. And uh, that's basically what we feel for the first question. Thanks. Last year, we faced a roller coaster experience from the Chinese lockdown restrictions. 
after abandoning uh, zero COVID policies in December and increasing cases again, what is your view on what will happen this year in the Ferris complex, whether that's the iron ore, steel, or coke and coal? I think the lift of uh, China and the abandoning zero COVID policies going to have uh, very strong support uh, for the, the the average consumption for the resilience of the Mount Market on Ferris products. Because when people are more clear about the process line and how the projects land and the time cut and uh, the, including much more investing interest into the projects um, instead of being closed uh, at, you know, suddenly tomorrow or, you know, factories cancel the orders, which doesn't likely to happen this year. So I think in general, it support the low of the price, which is to say, I think the low of the Ferris price would be slightly higher than last year, uh, than 2022. How do you think iron ore will range in Q1 and H1? Um, it's similar from last questions. Um, I think for iron ore, it's quite dangerous in short term because obviously the price has already exhausted the sentiment of economy recovery and um, the China lift and, um, you know, including, in, it's quite including the European recovery on uh, automaking and the US recovery on the infrastructures and automaking as well. So I think the current market has already pri- uh, the, the, the current risk is the price uh, the market has already priced in the good factors. And then what next? I think and plus looming Chinese New Year in late January and the Winter Olympics uh, would probably um, initiate some production or environment related curves. Um, so in my opinion, iron ore Q1 would be much lower than currently, maybe 10 to $15 lower than current levels to below $100 or around $100. And then it's going to pick up in Q2 because um, after the uh, the spring comes in warm seasons when people seeing the project landing and when people seeing much, much more housing policies hit the ground in more cities. Currently, some of the mid-China cities published some of the encouragement in house buying, lower loans, but it's by the year end, it's quite difficult to see how it um, impacts in, uh, in, in, in the buying market. Uh, we're going to see more impact in the spring market, which is a better season for uh, house buying. And it's literally for uh, the first stage to issue uh, specialized debts. And so I think much uh, there are many storytelling opportunities in Q2 or late Q1, just rather than this quiet season, seasonal quiet season. So that's why I think... Um, the price could be uh, could be uh, less strong in Q1 and recover a bit in Q2. 
We have heard word that the Chinese National Development of Reform Commission started to investigate uh, on mispricing of INO prices. What impact does this have on the market? Uh, this is not the first time NDRC started to investigate on the market manipulation or mispricing of commodity price. Um, we can guarantee each time it has a downside impact on the price. So sometime uh, price go up for a couple of weeks and then corrected. Sometimes um, they were uh, just right, uh, go to a uh, new downward trend. Uh, it's hard to predict, but in particular, when price is at periodic high, and this is before Chinese New Year, when physical market are becoming very quiet, so it would be very dangerous for those having, you know, speculated and having positions on. In my opinion, it could have uh, an impact to um, scare away both previous buyers and the sellers in the market to have position, take some positions off rather than uh, giving a clear direction to the market. It will, uh, and we see obviously open interest been cutting quite swift, uh, quite fast during late December and early January. It's a combined holiday impact as well as this message. As such an important global commodity, what have been the main drivers of price movement? Um, I think in particular in 2023, the macro side, uh, the macro factors are becoming less, less more important than the previous three years because most com- uh, commodities recovered on the supply chains. Although it's not recovering to uh, 20, uh, 2018, 2019, um, era, but um, they are marginally getting much better than 2021 and 2022. So I think the main drivers of price movement of commodities is going back to supply, demand, for example, in import and export, inventory levels, international trades, and um, tariffs, and um, new projects, upstreams, downstreams, midstreams, the whole industry chains, and etc. Thank you, Hao. Always a pleasure hearing from you all the way in Shanghai. Uh, as far as we're concerned, that's it for the week, folks. If you want to stay up to date with everything in the freight and commodity space, remember to sign up for our app FIS Live or follow us on Twitter at Freight Investor or find us on LinkedIn. And if you'd like to give us any feedback or suggestions, email us at news at freightinvestor.com. You've been hearing from Opani. Have a great week.